Hello and welcome to the October edition of Third Fridays. I am your host, Christian Cison, and today we have Joe Melchioni here. Welcome to the show, Joe. Thanks. It's great to be here. I'd like to congratulate you for being the 2018 winner of the first annual mock trial program here at Lois. And I say first because there's going to be a second one. Great. That's awesome. I'm, I'm really excited. Uh, so thank you and your sweet, sweet beard for coming on the show today. <laughs> this is episode number 21, uh, and it's a, a very big day for me, for the firm. Uh, you know, there's the uh, the day that my fiance say, said that she'd marry me, and then there's today where we have a full-on studio with three super cameras looking into how handsome I am uh, with my own producer making this a real deal. Yeah. How do you feel about that? I feel amazing. I feel uh, honored to be the maiden voyage in this new upgraded kill room. Um, it looks great, and I uh, hope you enjoy your time in the spotlight. I'm sure you will. <laughs> you know, it, it, I, I used to call it the kill room affectionately, but with all this bright light now, like I, I think I need. I think it's like a little bit more. The operating room? <laughs> okay. Yeah, give me a scalpel. <laughs> uh, now, this is episode 21. Uh, last month was episode 20 with uh, my guest, Timothy Kane. We talked about uh, date of contracture and how it can help you uh, carve out more uh, specific exposure analyses for those types of occupational claims. But today, we're going to move forward and talk about the true value of an IME. Now, this past Monday, we had a webinar for our New York series talking about getting the most out of your IME. So, Joe, can you tell me a little bit about how that went? What What did we talk about there? Um, well, I felt like it was a very comprehensive webinar. Um, it was uh, performed by uh, Greg Lois and partner to Shia Razul. Um, the most important things that I think they talked about or the most important things that could be gleamed from that webinar are uh, best practices regarding IME, such as when is it important in the lifetime of a case or a claim to get an IME, um, what types of qualities to seek in an IME consultant, and what the statutes or particular rules are, are to adhere to, um, specifically with regard to compliance when um, obtaining those IMEs. So I, I felt like it was very informative and very comprehensive. Right. So let's, let's take it to the next step there. Uh, we want to find out when is the first initial best time to get an IME. And the two of us have been talking about this going back and forth. I was thinking that in accordance with my defend from day one mantra that day 31 would be a great day for an IME in an accepted claim where we have, uh, well, relatively lo lost time or not, uh, but in an accepted claim. Can you kind of give us a background of what those fir first 30 days look like for a claimant in an accepted claim. Okay, so basically in the first 30 days, if, if the carrier is going to accept that claim uh, pursuant to the pay, payer compliance rules, they're going to want to start paying the claimant something um, of, of value. Usually it's at the temporary, uh, well, at the statutory minimum rate of $150. Uh, and what we, we typically find is a claim is accepted, uh, the claimant presumably has medicals, um, most likely, almost 100% of the time, those medicals are uh, concluding a temporary total disability. Of course. Um, right. So Can't the, do anything. Right, of course. Uh, so the case is chugging along. Um, it could be up to four months before there's an initial hearing, and we go to the initial hearing, 
and uh, awards are retroactively set at the temp total rate because we don't have an IME or any other medical to contest the um, claimant's medical of a total for that period. So that's typically how this happens. And we have four months that we have to pay, the carrier has to pay at the temp total rate simply because uh, we wait until the IME to get those those initial IME. I mean, we wait to the initial hearing to get the initial IME. Right, and I think that's a great point because uh, if we think about payer compliance and how we're paying at a rate even without the production of medical, it doesn't mean that that medical isn't going to be produced later, like you mm -hmm. said. So um, it may not seem like such a big burden or, or really um, there really isn't an impetus to get an IME on day 31 when you're going through that process. But it, first of all, it doesn't mean that you can't cancel it when you get medical, right. but it also helps you for the life of the claim. And we're talking about causal relationship of additional sites. I mean, that's a huge problem for our clients down the road. You know, when you're talking about adding a knee or a shoulder in what was initially just a hand or a foot claim, uh, anything to increase the value of the claim like that. Uh, we like initial records. Uh, sometimes we don't have initial hospital records at the first hearing, but if we do have an IME, those regulations that you talked about at the webinar this past Monday, or referred to the webinar from uh, this past Monday, is essential to really rebut any possible claim for those types of actions and, and claims. So we can actually attack those arguments first, right. as opposed to that first hearing we talked about, paying those four months of backdated benefits, then telling them, hey, you better get an IME, then how long are we going to get the second hearing, right? right? I mean, we're talking about maybe another two, three months at the very minimum. So uh, it's a good point to bring up in terms of where we are at at the first hearing. And I mean, let's let's be honest. Let's go beyond that, right? Think about uh, a schedule body part that will add uh, PHP. So uh, can you explain a little bit what that means uh, and, and really the impact it will have? Okay, so for... Uh for extremities, body parts that will be amenable to resolution through a schedule loss of use, arms, legs, fingers, toes, um, those body parts, uh, the claimant will be entitled to additional permanency benefit. Uh, it's called protracted healing. Uh, any, the, the statute, I think it's Workers' Compensation Law 15.3. Look at you. Specifies that nice. uh, each of those particular body parts, there's a, there's a set number of weeks um, that if the claimant exceeds that number of weeks uh, getting paid at the temp total rate, they are entitled that permanency to an additional benefit at the temp total rate for that amount of weeks. So the I think what, what you're getting at is the sooner we can get claimants off that temp total rate, the greater chance uh, that they will not exceed the statutory minimum for, for that body part, and uh, we can minimize the risk of additional uh, indemnity exposure at the end of the claim. Perfect. And, you know, just to illustrate this point, wow. uh, I, I'm going to take Where out... Where can I get one of those? It's, well, it's a handy-dandy Lois calendar. Um, <laughs> Everyone should have it's one. It's not like, you know, maybe the New Year's coming up. Maybe someone nice to us will get them in the mail. Wow. Um, Some lucky people. Look at all the stuff that's going on. Let's There's illustrate how Day 31 really, really A lot of information helps, in right? this calendar. Oh, let's, this is October, okay? Um, oh, the 19th. Well, a third Friday podcast is on is on the calendar. That's okay. Um, <laughs> this is exactly where we are today, right? Let's let's imagine uh, an accident on October first, right? October thirty first, or maybe even November first, would be a great day for an IME because, as you said, that cuts off total disability, assuming that the IME finds a partial uh, for one month, and then you don't have to deal with that kind of issue for the rest of the claim. 
you know, barring surgery, barring, you know, a, a future IME conceding total in, in the later rounds of a claim. And then you don't have to deal with that kind of bonus that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. So be sure to use these. You'll get 2019 ones in the mail very soon. Um, I think there's something else that we need to bring up. I think that this also kind of goes with your whole defend from day one mantra. That's uh, a counter too. Beyond, uh, <laughs> beyond just uh, reducing uh, indemnity benefits earlier on in the claim, we're also setting the stage that we're going to defend this. We're going to defend this claim from day one. We're going to we're going to get our medical opinion to state that potentially future surgeries are not necessary. Um, there are the claimant can return to work earlier with restrictions, which could potentially turn into light duty offers, something that the employer can use to create a light duty offer. There are many different ways in which getting an IME earlier in the life uh, of a claim can benefit uh, the carrier and can help with that defend from day one kind of mantra. That's a great point, right? I mean, how many times do we struggle with carving out a light duty offer uh, because uh, the claimant's doctor keeps him or her out of work for the four or five months leading up to the first hearing. Uh, we know that employers, many employers, have light duty and sedentary positions available to facilitate really what the workers' compensation system is designed to do, right? Compensate those who are, are injured, but help them return to work so that they can you know, earn a, a rightful living uh, as they had intended to do prior to the accident. Um, and getting that initial medical early stops that bleeding. I think an, another thing you mentioned was treatment, right? Think about the crazy, crazy timelines that MG2s and C4 auths mm -hmm. put our clients in where we have to get new medical within, you know, 30 days or less depending on, uh, you know, when they actually receive the uh, form. Having that initial medical report from an IME doctor, a credible IME doctor, puts us in position to have a credible opinion as it relates to surgery, right? You know, we talk about going to that hearing and a judge saying to our faces, well, you didn't get an IME for four months. And we don't have a counter to that other than maybe uh, requesting to cross-examine the treating doctor, you know, uh, parsing over the, the hospital records and comparing them to the, the comp shill sure. uh, that we'll find at 100%. Uh, and it's very important to have that in place when we go to the first hearing. Well, I also think what happens in my practice a lot, and I'm sure you've come up with this, is that we finally go to the first hearing. We've, after the first hearing, the carrier will get that IME. We have to wait maybe two or three months to come back. And as we, uh, we file the RFA to reduce benefits based upon the IME that found a moderate or, or a mild or maybe even a 0% ongoing disability, and what happens right before that hearing, a uh, arthroscopy pops up or something, some surgery that would be pre-approved. And although we may still have a chance to, to litigate that, our chance of winning is severely diminished if that claimant has already had that surgery. And if it's deemed authorized, not only is the surgery going to be deemed authorized without conflicting medical, but then we're back paying, uh, it, it basically neutralizes that IME. We're paying at the temp total rate, and we have to wait another three months to get that IME. That's a fantastic point, because that whole time after the first hearing, we're paying total, right? Correct. The CCP's at total. Then you talk about uh, you know, five months where the claimant may have been go undergoing the conservative treatment, you know, uh, you know, anti-inflammatories, physical therapy, chiropractic care that would lead a normal surgery to be pre-authorized by the guidelines. The provider can then go perform the surgery and then rebut the IME that was scheduled after the first exactly. hearing anyway. And we're back at square one. So, and that case is an automatic PHP automatic bonus at, at, at permanency because there's going to be so many months that have gone by awarded at total without any opportunity to reduce. So getting that IME on day 31 
actually helps that scenario uh, greatly. I think that's a great point. Thank you. Okay, so now let's move the claim to permanency, right? Uh, we talked a little bit about pro protracted healing period, uh, but I want to talk a little bit about loss of wage earning capacity and those non-schedule claims uh, that eventually become uh, classified because the claimant doesn't go to work, uh, return to work. When we get a file from a client, one of the biggest things that they ask us to do is to perform an initial evaluation of the future exposure of the claim, right? How often would you say we get files where we only have the treating medical? Almost universally, almost every time. Right, unless it's something that's, you know, unless it's not a new claim that's been, you know, administratively monitored by the client before a lit uh, litigation issue has come up. Most of the time we do get it with only treating medical in the file. But how much better can we evaluate a claim with an IME report in there, and how much better than that can we evaluate a claim with the IMEs 31 days after the accident, right? It's light and, day, and night and day, right? Because it's, it's, so, it's so important to have that credible opinion early because now we're talking about everything contemporaneous to the accident. Right. And I think that using that gives us that low anchor. Otherwise, we basically have to make that uh, recommendation from the outset, right? Right, and we have nothing to, to really base that opinion on, no medical to support that other than the claimant's medical. Like we just, and, and what we discussed earlier on today, that medical is going to be a worst-case scenario right from the starting line. So it's very difficult for us to be able to kind of predict exposure if we have only one side of the argument. Uh, if we have an IME earlier on, we can help kind of uh, see where, where our side is starting, and we can um, also help to see if uh, uh, we can kind of head off at the past medical treatment uh, and, and get those restrictions. So And and let's make a distinction, too. I mean, we're, we're talking about accepted claims, right? Denied claims, we may not want to get the IME within 30, 31 days because we don't want to create PFME for the claimant. Correct. We don't want to concede sites uh, just because the claimant complains of them and provides a history to the IME doctor that the IME doctor tacitly accepts. Uh, this is really for the accepted claim where you want to stop the bleeding, cut off uh, exposure at the highest anchor level, and move forward. I think it's also important to make sure that when you're in those denied claims, right, you're still thinking about scheduling that IME, right? Uh, even though we're not doing it on day 31, we know the expedited calendar moves very quickly. Mm -hmm. And it's still important to get that IME date before we enter the pre-hearing conference, because otherwise it's going to be very difficult to get that report in before trial. I think that that's a, an excellent idea, and it's not something that is uh, often implemented because, like you said, people are afraid of getting the IME and, and getting that IME to concede PFME or causal relationship of the site. But there's no harm in scheduling that IME just prior to the to the pre-hearing conference because it could always be canceled if there's right. no PFME found right. at that conference. And if, if PFME is found, which most likely it will be, as you know, we're constantly reminded by the law judges that the standard is as low as it could possibly be, then the IME is already scheduled and it kind of minimizes the risk that you're not going to get it scheduled within the 30-day expedited period. So I think that's a great idea. Well, Joe, I think, I think we've covered it. Uh, I think that... Uh, We've established that the true value of an IME is to defend from day one and get it on day 31. I want to thank you for coming on to the show, and uh, I hope that uh, our, the rest of our, our team here at Lois isn't afraid of you becoming a repeat champion at the 2019 second annual mock trial we'll program. We'll have to just all stay tuned and see now, won't we?
All right. Thanks, Joe. Thank you very much for having me. Happy Third Friday, everybody.